It's time for the Ron and Brian podcast. Get ready to fill your ears with the latest news, politics, current events, and whatever else we feel like talking about this week. And now, your hosts, Ron and Brian. And good evening, everybody. It is Sunday night. It is 8 o'clock. It is time for episode 223 of the Ron and Brian podcast, joined, as always, uh, by my friend, Brian. Brian, how the hell are you this fine, uh, cool Sunday evening? I'm doing great. It's, uh, you know, we, uh, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let people inside a little bit. Right before we do this show, Ron and I go over the different topics that we want to hit. Um, this week in particular, I feel very good. I feel very good that the next hour plus of your life is going to be an entertaining one. That makes me excited. All right. Makes sense. I'm glad to hear it, sir. Ron, how are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm okay. Um, you'll notice again by the backdrop here um, that I'm still uh, located uh, in the uh, the patented Ron and Brian uh, pandemic bunker. Um, you know, two weeks ago it was uh, it was uh, it was monkeypox. Last week, domestic terrorism. Um, this week, Brian, it's angry Britons. Um, I, I made some uh, some jokes on Twitter uh, after the passing of Queen Elizabeth on the podcast account uh, that apparently were not well received. Um, some threats have come in, and we have felt, uh, you know, at this point it's safer for me to remain in the bunker. Uh, but I think you, being the, the statesman uh, of the podcast, being the diplomat that you are, um, I feel I need you to go to London and kind of straighten this whole thing out. You want me? I think so. Uh, again, you know, you, uh, you you wear a high neckline, which is very much in fashion in the UK. Uh, you've got a way of talking to people. You've got a very calming way with people. Um, I think right now my uh, my appearance in in London would be a distraction um, and, and an unwelcome one. So I feel you need to, to hop on a plane and, and get over there as soon as possible. I guess I can. I guess I can do it for you. Okay. I mean, I don't I want to pull I rank. Do I don't want to throw, you know, 51% at you. But let's just say this isn't one of those things that's a request. Like, I'm not So asking. what you're saying is that a week from today, you want me to be in London, another country, the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, and that's where you want me to do the podcast? Across uh, across the pond, yes. That's exactly right. Okay, I, like. I can do this. Ron, we are getting some comments that there is a weird sound happening while you're talking. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, everything is, is hooked up like it normally is. Um, maybe there's some AC running in the background. No, no, no. It only happens when you move. Move around. Don't say anything. Now sit still and talk. All right. How is this? Don't move and talk. Don't move and talk. So like this. Yeah. I think it's the microphone on your headphone. Where's your... Is there anything rubbing up against the microphone? You know what? I wonder. Let me see something here. It's very possible. Hold on. Are you? How is that? You, that is way better. Okay. All right. Sorry. There was a little a little audio setting uh, that I forgot to change. So that's on that's on me. And again, I guess you know the Britons have me a little bit off my game. I don't want to throw blame at people, uh, but yeah, uh, Britons have me a little bit off my game. Well. Now that okay, things are so, so so ladies and gentlemen, a week from today, I will be in London doing this podcast. All right. I appreciate it. I appreciate that. I appreciate you. Uh, in the meantime, I also appreciate Drink of the Week. Drink of the Week. 
Na zdrowie. Brian, what are you bringing to the to the podcast uh, for your beverage this evening? Tonight's nine eleven. We are recording this on September eleventh, and it is impossible for us not to remember 9-11. You know, one of the worst day in American history ranks right up there with Pearl Harbor. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just a few few miles away from ground zero. And it reminded me of, uh, you know, some of the different areas in New York City that were so hard hit when it happened. So many lives were lost. Um, so I thought of Staten Island because that is a borough that was, you know, heavily... Um, heavily affected. Right. So our good friends over at Killsborough Brewing. Killsborough Brewing. Killsborough. Killsborough. Call, something called a Plain Jane Plum. This is a plum-infused sour Ooh. Weiss beer. Oh. Weiss beer. That sounds interesting. Weiss beer, Jerry. Um <laughs> It is, uh, but look at this. This thing looks like plum juice here. Very you nice. Even, you can't even see me right now. That is that know, is cloudy. That is almost uh, milky. Is there lactose in there? I, there's. I would. I didn't even look because I don't want to know. Um, <laughs> but it is a bright Berliner style Weiss beer, kettle soured and brewed with pilsner and white wheat, conditioned on plums, coming in at four point nine ABV. Watch me as I take this set. Oh, yeah. It's like an angry kombucha. <laughs> there you go. Very nice. It is good. It is good. All right. Um, I, and also, because today is the first Sunday of football season. Oh, I yeah. I took out my bottle, my special football edition version, Crown Royal football looks good so i'll be i'll be drinking some crown royal in a glass nice nice ron yes ron yes sir what are you drinking uh so you know again we we talked about uh last week how it was officially the end of hot podcaster summer hot podcaster summer mm. So we're now back to some of our heavier beers. So I went out to Colorado to Breckenridge Brewery for their vanilla porter uh, roasted malts with notes of vanilla, clocking in at a very modest 5.4%, kind of low for a porter, but probably a good thing after last last week's debacle with the 9%er I was drinking. Uh, But got a nice uh, nice, uh, sheen to it, nice head to it. Mmm. Oh, that's good. Smooth. Nice vanilla flavor. That looks mm. like a root beer. That's mm. the, that's the same. That is a bark. Creamy, um, delicious. I'm I'm happy with my choice of drinks. Are you happy with your choice of drinks, Brian? I'm very happy this week. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's discuss things, Brian, that maybe don't make us so happy. Uh, that's right. It's beef of the week. Ron and Brian's. Week. 
Okay, Brian, what's bothering you this week? Okay, Ron, the biggest complaint I had from the week I just um, experienced, it's the 200 level at Yankee Stadium. Ooh. Yes. Um, never have I felt more cattled in mm. like packed sheep, like overstocked fish in a, uh, uh, in a, su- in a fish supermarket. Um, you know, I've been spoiled. I'm not going to lie. A little lie. bit. Um, you know, the last time I sat in the 200s at Yankee Stadium, September of 2019, we all know 2020 was the pandemic year. No fans were allowed in the baseball stadium. Correct. Uh, 2021, um, we did start allowing, and Yankee Stadium was very kind enough not to check seats. Um, uh, as you were as you were approaching a section, they did not have people checking for your ticket. So I was able to, um, I believe I went to about eight games last year at the stadium. And uh, not once did I sit in my seats that I had tickets for. I, I sat in seats in the 100s this season. I've been fortunate. Um, I was able to get some, uh, uh, how do I say this, primo uh, uh, floor seats yes. um, for several games. I've been, you know, you were able to enjoy that on Old Timers Day. I was. Um, so, many Yankee, so many Yankee greats. This past Friday was Derek Jeter, number two. Derek Jeter. No batting. Um, it was Derek Jeter Hall of Fame uh, celebration night where he, we were, where the entire Bronx celebrated. Um, you know, our captain, number two, Derek Jeter, going into the Hall of Fame. Everybody, you know, uh, was there to celebrate. Um, we bought tickets. We were in the 200 level. We were. Um, I I'd reached out to my contact at Yankee Stadium and I said, listen, Ron and Brian are going to be there. Um, what can you do for us? Um, my email must have gotten lost somehow. Um, a disconnect it, it just, somewhere. I'm sure it was just crushed through in like the, the you know, the, the bottleneck of uh, press requests for that game. Um, anyway, so we sat in section 212. And I'm going to tell you something. Ron, I haven't been that uncomfortable in a uh, sporting event in a long time. I mean, um, it was a, it was a tight fit. I'll give you that much. There was uh, we had, and we even had a, an extra seat uh, with yes. some extra space, and it was still uh, it was very tight. Full house, packed house, um, uncomfortable to say the least. Yes, the person sitting to your left and to your right were half in your seat. Your legs, it felt like I was on a Spirit airline in um, economy class. This was not what I would. This is not what I have grown accustomed to when um, watching my, uh, my 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 dear Yankees. Um, so this is my complaint, and I, I will tell you for all those people who are hitting me up already with the first world problems. I can't even imagine what the four hundred levels like. <laughs> Listen, I, you know, normally I have you sit in my lap at sporting events uh, just for uh, pleasure. This was out of necessity. Of course, of course. I mean, yep. um, what I don't understand is why you ripped a, um, why you ripped a circular hole in the seat of my pants. Um, like I said, it was for, for your comfort. I, I felt like you, uh, your, your body temperature seemed a little high. So I wanted to make sure that uh, there was some proper ventilation. Because, you know, you had the, the, the neckline was buttoned all the way up, of course. All the way, all uh, the way, of course. Of long course. sleeve shirt. I think you were the only yes. person. I think literally, uh, apart from the uh, police officers, uh, the only people wearing long sleeve shirts inside the stadium on an 80-degree sure. night. Sure. Well, I just want to let you know um, that the bleeding has stopped. Good. You know, well, And that's um, really what's I, uh, important. 
I checked the tampon um, earlier when I, I pulled it out, and it was no longer um, uh, covered in blood. So well, um, you really have nothing to complain about. So then, I guess the stitches that the doctors put in, um, you know, uh, are working. Everything they good. Ron, what's bothering you? Um, so bothering me, Brian, this week, uh, Facebook Marketplace. Um, as you know, um, we uh, we got a new bed here at the uh, uh, the Ron Compound, and uh, they uh, apparently weird thing with the delivery company. They don't take adjustable bases for beds. Like if you what have do you mean like, by adjustable base. So like we had a we have a we had a Tempur Pedic bed, so it had the adjustable base where it lifts the feet and the head and whatnot. So they would take okay. the the mattress itself, but they would leave the base. So I'm like, well, we were gonna, we were thinking of trying to sell it anyway. It would probably sell easier with both the mattress and the base. We said just just leave the whole thing. So I listed on Facebook Marketplace. And there is, you know, obviously a lot of scams that people try and do via Facebook Marketplace, uh, marketplace trying to get your sure. cell phone number to try and, like, hack your account that way. Okay. So, of course, like, I'm getting all these people messaging and being like, hey, I'm interested. Is it available? Yes. Where is it located? We haggle over the price. And they're like, all right, just send me your cell phone number now. No. So the scam is that they get your cell phone and then they send you something with a link to like to they put so the, the it way or? it works is they're like I want to make they want to make sure that you're not a scam so they're like you know what I need to do I, I I need to text you a number I need to text you and then you're gonna punch this in on your phone and then they and in in essence end up getting like control of your phone and your apps and whatnot oh okay yeah. okay. So it's just, uh, and then I, you know, you get the people that are just like, "Oh, can you hold it for three weeks?" Uh, no. Oh, you want this amount of money? How about I give you a tenth of that? Would that be acceptable? It's just, uh, it's 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 aggravating. And again, first world problems. I'm sure you know, you know, selling on Craigslist is probably more difficult still. Um, well, but- if you did it on Craigslist, there literally would be somebody trying to insert their um, uh, their vibrator inside your rectum. Um, while testing out the mattress. I mean, I'd take a few bucks off for that. you take it off or you'd add it on? Ah, good question. Good question. Depends how good they are with it. Understood. Understood. Uh, Brian? So, so, so have you been able to move it? Uh, not as of yet. I have one more person that uh, we're in negotiations. I just want it out of here, Brian. It's literally in our dining room right now because we had moved it downstairs. Um, and there's nothing in the dining room because we're getting the floors redone. It's a, it's a house of chaos right now. It's an absolute house of chaos. How are the pets handling this? Um, so Upheaval. The, the cats are all up on the third floor now, and they are... Uh, they are they are going through separation anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. Finn, who is the the loud cat that you would hear sometimes during this podcast, uh, typically wakes us up at four a.m. Uh, just because he is crying at the door, trying to get out of his location and get to us. Aww. But he'll survive. He's tough. He'll survive. They got a few more weeks See? up there till everything's done. Okay. So. Okay. They'll just have All to right. go with it. Uh, Brian. Very exciting week this week. It was week one of the NFL season. It was our first week of NFL picks. We gave you our locks of the week last week. Matt, roll that new bumper. What, what's that, Matt? God damn it, Matt. All right. Uh, one more week, I'm being told. One more week for the bumper. Can but we cut mean, it in post? Can we I'll, cut I'll it see in if post? he has if he has it done in time. I'll see if we can we can add it afterwards. Okay, but well, Brian, off, Ron, no, um, no, Ron, right. Ron. If Sorry. I may interrupt you, you may. I need to congratulate you. Okay, um, you went two and zero this week, right off the you know right off the bat. 
You sat there and looked at week one. You did not feel challenged. Your two picks, you took Miami Dolphins minus three over the Patriots. You said Belichick is done. Dolphins 20 to seven. Then you looked at the New Jersey Jets and you said trash, garbage, junk, whatnot. I'm taking the Baltimore Ravens minus seven. Ravens win 24 to nine. Ron, you're two and oh. How'd you do it? You know what? I just I, I went with my gut. Um, you know, I I, I, I I felt good about these games and thankfully they paid off. So my perfect streak continues. Uh, but Brian, uh, you were not to be outdone. You uh, you looked at Green Bay minus one and a half going into Minnesota. You said, you know what? This is a NFL season for vaccinated players, not unvaccinated ones. So you took Minnesota uh, getting one and a half. Minnesota wins the game handily. Uh, again, this was the one I thought was going to trip you up right at the beginning of the season. Um, yeah. Colts were favored by eight and a half over Houston. Um, you thought that line was huge. You said, you know, yeah. not only should uh, masseuses in Houston rest easy now, but all of the fans in Houston can rest easy. They're a better team. You took Houston plus eight and a half. Game ends up a tie, 2020. Still ends up being a win for you, my friend. So you also started off the NFL season 2-0. and So uh, applause. <laughs> applause for that, sir. Um, listen, it's just a, it's a beautiful thing. So shall we, uh, shall we give our picks for this week, this week's Locks of the Week? Sure, sure. Um, I will let you go first. All right. So um, I, uh, I like Kansas City. They were really running up on the road um, against Arizona earlier. They are at home Thursday night uh, against the L.A. Chargers. Um, I like them at home with a short week. Kansas City minus three against the Chargers. And uh, I'm, I'm taking one out of your playbook this time. Houston on the road at Denver. Big underdog. They're getting 10 and a half points against those Denver Broncos. I'm taking Houston plus the points. Brian, who you got? Um, I'm, I, 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 I watched a lot of the Jet game earlier today. I saw how terrible they are. Browns laying five and a half next week against the Jets. I say you, uh, you lay those points. Cleveland Browns going all to a 2-0 start for the first time since whenever the last time they did it. Also, uh, the Colts laying four and a half over the Jaguars. The Jaguars are a disaster this year as far as my memory serves. Therefore, I say take the Browns and the Colts this week. Lay the points, people. You'll be collecting your cash a week from today. All right. Remember, bet with your head, not over it. Uh, but these are this is like printing money taking the, sure. the Ron and Brian NFL locks of the week. Uh, so, Brian, as you've mentioned earlier, as the background banner of this show will attest, uh, today is 9-11. It is the 21st anniversary of the 9-11 attacks at the World Trade Center at the Pentagon in Shanksville, PA, um, where almost 3,000 Americans lost their lives. Uh, Brian, you, uh, you wanted to kind of, uh, I guess, uh, go over some remembrances of that day in question. And, and how Ron and Brian uh, yeah. went through that day. Ron, I felt, I felt you know, 9-11 was really a defining day in our generation. You know, it changed the world. It changed everything about us. Um, we know that, um, what was the number of people that died? It was, like I said, it was close to, it was close to 3,000. It was like Close to 3,000 people died, um, not including the terrorists that did it, or nearly 3,000. I mean, it was, it was wild. And, and I, it's, I felt it was important for us today 
to show ourselves as true Americans, to show that this podcast will never forget 9-11. And one of the ways that I personally, um, and I know, Ron, you were right on board with me when we talked about it earlier this week. You were right on board. Um, we're going to read a list of the dead. Um, Ron, I'm going to take the first 2,400 people. Um, I'm going to let you um, take a break. You're going to. Do I, I, don't, the last I don't think 600. we have. I don't think we were going to uh, um, do all of the names, Brian. I think. Uh, Ron, we love America, so the only <laughs> thing that we can do here is read the name. So I'm going to start off with Gordon McCannell Amoth, who was an investment banker at Sandler O'Neill in the World Trade Center. He was 32. Ed. Adelmiro Abad, 54, worked at the World Trade Center as a senior vice president at Fiduciary Trust International. I'm going to give I you a little so heads up. American I'm going to, right I'm going to let you run with this as long as you want to. Oh, oh dude, you have no idea. <laughs> Marie Rose Abad, 49, from Syosset, New York. She was a senior vice president at K. Brian. Wow, I, I Brian. Think, I, I think I we said we three and you consider yourself an American. I think you, you were you wanted off. to you wanted to talk back on uh, on where were you on 9-11, Brian? I'm not accusing you of anything, uh, but where were you? I was in um, Hollywood, Florida um, in the dark days. Um, I was in Hollywood, Florida, received a phone call from my mother saying, I just want to let you know that your father's all right. And I said to her, that's great. Um, I appreciate that heads up, but I don't know why he wouldn't be all right. Right. And she said to me, oh, don't you have the TV on? I said, no, what's going on? She said, oh, the World Trade Center is gone. And I was like, what do you mean it's gone? She goes, the buildings are gone. They have um, uh, they have collapsed. And that's a building I worked in. I was in the South Tower, um, worked on, I believe, the 22nd floor. May have been 27 or 29, really don't remember. But my father worked literally three blocks south of the Trade Center. Mm. And he said, I remember um, after uh, uh, speaking with him, he actually um, looked out of his window um, in his office after hearing a woman scream, um, looked out the window, and he said you could see a torso, just a torso on the street. Mm. No arms, no legs, just just the torso. Um, He said at that point, he said, um, everybody should go home. And he walked back to his desk, grabbed his uh, briefcase, and left while other people were just running around trying to figure out what to do. Um, that was his 9-11 story. Mine was that I watched TV like everybody else, um, feeling absolutely separated from uh, New York, which is uh, so important to me. And uh, I just said, uh, this is an outrage. And um, that was my 9-11 story. Where, you, know, uh, you know who had a good 9-11 story, Ron? I'm afraid to ask who. Anthony Abate from Melville, New York. He was a bond trader at Cranter Fitzgerald. Also, Vincent Paul Abate, 40. Um, he worked as a bond trader also at Cantor Fitzgerald. Apparently, the Abates were, um, it was a family of business over at Cantor Fitzgerald. Also, Lawrence Christopher Abel, also from Cantor Fitzgerald. Alana Abraham, 30. She was a manufacturing engineer associate at Applied Materials. She was on United Airlines 175. Are you going to stop me, Ryan? Are you going to keep going? <laughs> Broke out the uh, Brian coughing uh, one to cut you off there. Okay. Thank you. No problem. Did that, so did that make you want to move back to New York? Did it make you feel at such a disconnect uh, 
um, oh, from what was going on in your home city that you needed to get back. Absolutely, because you know, um, you know, for the next several weeks, new, the TV was all um, just you know scenes of New York, people in New York, you know, in New York looking for their missing loved ones, um, the dis- different memorials that had been set up at different places throughout the city. Um, I'll never forget that there was um, there was a very touching story. I remember seeing you know, there was a family member of uh, a relative of William F. Abrahamson who was 58 from Cortland Manor. He was a business associate at Marsh McLennan. I'm not even going to stop you. I don't, I don't And I thought you wanted to do a serious retrospective, but I should have, I should have known. What are you talking about? This is serious, Ron. I'm trying to remember the people that passed away. Um, and, and, and people like Dom, look at Dom, just putting smiley, laughing faces. It's just Janelle's bored. She's putting her zzz. Offensive people. This is a day to take seriously, Ron. Where were you on nine eleven? Uh, I was uh, I was working at a at a hotel in uh, in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. At that point, um, my boss was uh, was a New Yorker, also Queens guy. Um, so we were obviously very very shocked at uh, seeing the attacks. Um, you know, we we turned on the news after the first plane, heard about the second plane, and then it was just really a case of you know a ton of phone calls, people that. We're supposed to be coming in to stay at the hotel that obviously we're now no longer able to get there due to planes being grounded. A lot of people sure. that, had, that had checked out um, that were no longer able to get home <clears throat> um, trying to you know, get back into the hotel. So it was, it was a pretty chaotic day, to say the least. Um, and then I remember you know, my, my boss and I, we were watching uh, the, the news in the cafeteria um, when the first tower fell. And mm-hmm. he just turned to me and he's like, He's like, my life will never be the same again. And they just walked out of the room. And like, that's one of those moments that I just remember from that day. Like, you know, because he was, I mean, yes, I come from New York, but obviously I don't come from the city of New York. I understand there is a certain amount of pride that comes with someone that grows up in New York City. And you could just tell that the loss of the towers, um, which he had, you know, he loved, you know, he talked about, you know, we talked later on about how, you know, that was like his thing when he would commute from New York City to work in other states, like he always knew when he was he was close to home because you could see the Twin Towers. Sure, of course. And he was he he couldn't he had a hard time grasping the realization that he was never going to see the Twin Towers again, even if he went home. Ron, are you telling me your boss's 9-11 story? Are you telling me your <laughs> I'm just I'm, I'm telling I'm you, you know, some about, of my uh, experience. I will I will tell you a story that like I. A, you're telling me the effect that it had on someone else, but I'm not hearing what effect it had on you. I will. Well, I was very cool. obviously I was very shaken up about it as a, as an American, as a, as a former New Yorker. Um, I will say I haven't told a lot of people this story. Um, one of the pilots uh, of the plane that went into the South Tower, uh, Victor Saracini, um, lived. He and his family lived a town over um, from where I lived at that point. And so that kind of came out in the news later in the day. And, and I don't know about you, but it was, you know, you, you watched so much of this on the news and, and you literally had no idea what to do with yourself. Like you mm-hmm. had no idea. So, you know, I, I did the only thing I felt I could do. I went, I got a, a bouquet of flowers and I went to the home um, of this pilot. Um, and there was already a pile of, uh, there was a makeshift, you know, I guess, what would you call it? Memorial on the lawn mm-hmm. of these people's home. Um, 
So it was, and I mean, it was tragic, but it was also like you, you saw people coming together to support Americans who had lost family and friends that day. By any chance, was this the home of Richard Anthony Aceto, 42, <laughs> died at not. the World no, Trade Center? I, he was a tax specialist at Marsha McLennan. I think it would have been very odd for a tax specialist to be piloting a plane. As I said, this was uh, Captain Victor uh, Saracini. Got it. Just making sure, because you could have, it's possible that you got the names mixed up. Understood. Understood. Um, also, uh, tragedy this week, as we kind of touched on earlier, uh, with the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II um, at the age of 96. Um, you started seeing the news reports that uh, uh, family members were, were rushing off to Balmoral Castle. Um, uh, William was headed out there. Harry was headed out there. Uh, not Meghan, though. Not Meghan. Um, Meghan was told not to show up. Um, apparently so. King Charles, as we should now refer to him. The third. King Charles said that she was not welcome. You know, as the family members were grieving um, because I guess he did not want any uh, distraction from his uh, ascendancy to the crown, to the throne. Um, so, yeah, so it was it was very interesting to see. I think reaction across the Internet fell into kind of three different camps. You have people, obviously, many people in the U.K., uh, very heartbroken that the Queen had passed after her 70-year reign. Um, so you had people very sad that the Queen was gone. Um, you had people that could not care less. And then you had people that were, I think for lack of a better word, um, happy with the fact that she was dead. Uh, the country of Ireland, for example, I think uh, showed many uh, examples. In fact, we've got one here. Uh, this is from a, a soccer match that night that she had passed away uh, and a chant going up from the crowd. In case you miss it, it's Lizzie in a box. Hold on. I mean, so you 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 could understand, you know, the the um, the colonization part of her uh, her reign. Um, the uh, the war with Ireland, uh, the number of deaths uh, attributed to the UK um, during her time there. Uh, but again, a very long 70-year reign. She saw six popes, um, 14 U.S. presidents, and a fun fact, Brian, 56 starting quarterbacks for the Cleveland Browns. Where did you get that statistic I, from? I, I have uh, many random pieces, factoids of information. You, you should be shocked. Do you know who um, did not see um, 56 <laughs> Cleveland Browns uh, quarterbacks? Uh, I, I have a feeling it may be someone from 9-11, but I'm sure you're going to help us and educate I us. Believe you're, you're, I believe you might be thinking that I'm going to mention Heinrich Bernhard Ackerman, 38, passed away at the World Trade Center on 9-11. He worked at Aon Financial. Good to know. Uh, not to get you off topic, Brian, but you mentioned beforehand um, that you had a question for me and a little segment that we like to call Ron Answers the Internet. So uh, tee it up if you are prepared. I've got 10 questions for you. 10? Whoa. You answer. Yes. We've not done this bit in a while. Now, we okay. all know our dear friends over at Barstool Sports. They have a, um, an, a, a, a running account, Answer the Internet, um, where uh, celebrities are tasked with some challenging questions. Well, I think there's only one celebrity that needs to answer these questions, 
And no, people, it is not Paul Aquaviva, 29 at World Trade Center on 9-11. He was from Glenrock, New Jersey. He worked at Cantor Fitzgerald. He's the E-Speed Vice President of Corporate Development. No, we're not talking about Paul Aquaviva. We're talking about Ron. Ron's going to answer the Internet. Ron, right. are you prepared? Let's tee it up, my friend. Let's do this. All right. Ron, would you rather lose the ability to taste food or to feel sex? Um, I think, I mean, at this point in my life, I might as well just lose uh, the ability to feel sex. Because I'm certainly eating a lot more than I'm having sex. <laughs> well, we'll talk. Well, maybe if you get this new bed, it might change everything. <laughs> you never it know. it possibly be that since you've got an uncomfortable bed, that therefore Mrs. Ron is, is, is less um, likely to be interested in this. Very possible. What's All the right, next question, question? Question number two. What's the worst thing you've been kicked out of a bar for? Have um, you ever been kicked out of a bar? I, I, was, I was kicked out of a, uh, a strip club one time. I guess that would count as a bar because of a, uh, of a joke my friend made that um, the, uh, the, the women did not find humorous. Do you remember what the joke was? I don't remember the exact joke offhand, but he was being kind of like a wise guy. And so they, they, did not, uh, they did not appreciate his humor. And so they kicked both of us out. Wow. Interesting. I have never, never, I have never been kicked out of a bar uh, based on anything I've done. Good point. I, I mean, I also did not have $900, which um, they will tend to, I don't know if they'll kick you out more as much, ignore you if you don't have that $900. Interesting. All right. Next question. Yes. What would you trade a three-year-old baby for? A Derek Jeter autographed jersey. Ooh. If you had to move it, where would you put the vagina? <laughs> if I had to move it? Yes. I if don't you even had to move it from where it's currently located on the female body. Where would you move it? I mean, I guess maybe swap it with the belly button. I don't know. That's a very unusual question. Okay. Um, what is the craziest thing a male or female has ever done to you? The craziest thing. I mean, nothing really. Uh, nothing really stands out. I don't That's have fine. any. No, Nothing crazy. I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm very. Comedian extraordinaire Dave Hill once took a train and then a cab to your home. I think that might, might go up with that. There you go. All right. That's fair. Um, next question. Would you rather have no music for the rest of your life or have all music sung by Mrs. Ron? Oh, I'd go with no music. I, I love you many. Would... I love many things about my wife. Her singing voice, as she even she would have to admit, is not one of them. So you would rather have no music for the rest of your Correct. life? Correct. Okay. Very interesting. If you had to go to war, would you choose to go during the Middle Ages, the Revolutionary War, or World War One? Hmm. I would probably go World War One, just because from a medical standpoint, I think you would have a slight the, the best chance of uh, surviving if you got hurt. Interesting. Would you rather spend your life in a country music video or a rap music video? Hmm. Now, keep in mind, I'm going to, if you want, I'm going to help you out on this one. Okay. I, to me, this was tough, but I found this one really interesting because a rap music video you think is going to be very baller. 
You think it's just right. going to be, you know, popping bottles of champagne with, uh, you know, bikini clad women, at, you know, in a in a pool at a mansion while, you know, your your rims are spinning. But the question is, you're 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 Ron, you know, um, hotel magnet. Um, you, you're not going to fit in with that crowd. You know, right. that crowd, they're going to look at you and say, like, can we help you? The other I, I, you know, possibility is you're in a country music video where there's going to be some line dancing. I don't know how you are at line dancing. Very bad. Um, at somebody it. wearing um, a, uh, a plaid shirt tucked into a pair of jeans with a cowboy hat and acoustic guitar strumming along. They're going to be singing while kicking their cowboy boots up and down. Like, are you going to fit in there any better? Right, right. I think I'd go rap video. I, I, I think that would be, if I have to spend the rest of my life, I think uh, I would enjoy that more than uh, being in a, in a country music video the rest of my life. All right. I, I would have gone with the same answer. Who's the number one celebrity or athlete that you would want to see come back from the dead? Come back from the dead? Celebrity back or from athlete? Dead. I'd probably yes. be Prince. Prince. What would you do with Prince if Prince came back, you know, to hang out with you? I mean, I would I would like to see a Prince concert. I would say that's that's a regret that I never got a chance to see him perform when he was alive. Interesting. Um, he was probably high on drugs most of the time that you were alive. So <laughs> probably didn't have much of a shot of seeing a good Prince show. Um, Ron, when you're drunk, is it better to have sex or the ideal drunk meal? Oh, the ideal drunk meal. What is your drunk meal? Of choice, um, I mean a drunk meal. It's it's either gonna be like a, it depending on what I'm in the mood for. If I'm in the mood for savory, I'm going like with a burrito, with some you know rice and beans on the side. Uh, if I'm going sweet, uh, I'm going with a a Denny's French Slam. What is a Denny's French Slam? All that is is the Grand Slam, but you get French toast instead of pancakes. Ooh. Yeah, I like See? that. See what I'm saying? I like that. Would you rather never be able? <coughs> this must be a good. Excuse one. me. No, I just I had I, I had some of that uh, the sour beer and it got caught in my throat. Hold on, it sounds almost like this. <coughs> Very similar. Sorry, I I interrupted you. I apologize. You promised. You told me that you had deleted that video. Sorry, you were never going to play it again. Would you rather be able to never have buffalo sauce again or only be able to masturbate to pregnant porn? All right. Oh, hold on. Run that. Would you rather? All right. I saved the best two for last. Would you rather never be able to have buffalo sauce again? Okay. Or only be able to masturbate to pregnant porn? So now, if you eliminate buffalo sauce, are there other hot You're... sauces I can have? Yes. Okay. But I do love buffalo but, sauce. Man, do I love buffalo no sauce. No buffalo sauce. But, on the other hand, only pregnant porn. And we'll, we could, if you right. want, we, could, we can talk pregnant porn in After Dark. I feel like we haven't really promoted our After Dark on Patreon. But so quick question, quick question porn. about the yes. pregnant porn. Yes. Do, I, do I get an option as to how far into the pregnancy the women are? Oof. I mean, valid question, valid question. I'm going to say that there has to be a, um, a significant uh, uh, baby bump visible. 
Like it I can't mean, be six weeks. We're not talking six weeks pregnant porn. Right. We're talking like six, seven months where, you know, it's not like bursting at the same. Right, 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 right. You know, the baby's not going to have any dents on the forehead, but it's definitely, you're definitely sure this woman's pregnant. I mean, this, I love buffalo sauce too much. So I, I guess I'm stuck with pregnant porn the rest of my life. Pregnant porn. Interesting, interesting. All right. Last but not least, I'm going to try and get through this with a serious face. Breathe. Would you rather get a good hand job from your grandmother or a bad hand job from your grandmother? I, I, I feel like this went one question too long. I mean, no, I, I, no, 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 no. This did not go one question too long. You <laughs> I don't mean, want to answer this question. I mean, I feel the only answer is a bad one because God forbid you enjoy that. And yeah, I mean, it's. It's a rough one, but just the idea that I made you have to think about. Well, like if it's a rough one, then it's going to be a bad hand job, yes. Hey. Hey, hey And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Ron Answers the Internet. That was a, that was a good selection of questions. I, I'm Thank not going to lie. You. Very nice. Very nice. Thank you. Um, I, my, my personal favorite was the buffalo sauce or pregnant porn. <laughs> that, was my, that was my personal favorite in terms of... Um, that was my personal favorite in terms of questions. I understand. Just, uh, just the idea of forcing you to have to, you know, pick and choose. Right. So, Brian, uh, as you mentioned, we were at the Yankees game on Friday night. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got a, a video from a, a ball game uh, where one of the players attempted to give the ball uh, to a, a, a child in the stands. And uh, basically someone stepped in front and took it away. We've got a little video here that kind of shows you what happened. Oh, we'll play it one more time. You see the outfielder, I think this was the Texas game, trying to throw it to that girl. And uh, the kid in the, some grown man sticks his glove in front and takes the, uh, the ball from the, the young lady. Uh, internet up in arms about this. Um, what is your take on it? Okay, my take on this is here. Um, in this instance, he should not have done that. Okay. It's very clear that that ball was being thrown towards a group of children. At that point, you got to let those kids fight for it. Now, would I like to see a fight to the death by those um, youngsters? Yes. Yes. Where the, where, the, where the last child standing gets that baseball? Absolutely. Bloodbath. Um, however, there is a movement that has taken over uh, baseball stadiums, I would say, in the probably the past five years or so, where – there seems to be this collective acceptance and expectation that children are supposed to get the foul balls and home run balls that go into the stands. Right. Where as an adult, if you end up with a baseball, um, you are expected to give it to the nearest child around you. Um, Dom friend of the show, Dom, right here, Big D, as I like to call him, he and I were at a Mets game last year when the center fielder threw a ball into the stands, the section to our right, I believe it was. The ball um, bounced off this guy's hands, bounced around, bounced down a couple rows, ended up with us. Now, I honestly do not remember whether it was Dom or I who ended up with the baseball. Right. But we were surrounded 
by screams of people around us saying, give it to the kid, give it to the kid, give it to the kid. And we looked around and there were a couple kids with their gloves open and they were trying and, and we just threw the ball to one of them. Right. Um, would I have liked to have kept that baseball? Sure. Probably. Um, do I think Dom would have liked to have gone home and, and been like, hey, this was the, you know, I, I got a baseball at the game. Uh, yeah. There's why, why is it now no longer acceptable for adults to um, to get baseballs? Right. And I think you asked me, I think this was a previous what would Ron do? Um, you asked me because, yeah, I think that as as Dom said, it was you that ended up with the ball. And I think you did give it to the kid. I mean, I, I think it's I remember I had. Yeah, yeah. here's the thing. I, the I, think, the I ball, think I think I think it's OK if the crowd wants somebody to give the ball to the kid. Uh, but I think it's up to that adult. And if the adult doesn't want to do it, I think it's kind of a dick move to kind of boo. Because, listen, yeah. someone like you who's been a baseball fan since you were a kid, that may have been the first time you've ever gotten a fall ball or foul sure. ball. So why not be able to keep it? Um, Actually, but in this, there this instance, one time, there was Ron. There was this one time in college. I had yeah. been drinking a lot, where I did have a foul ball. Well, um, I was hanging out at this bar down on uh, Western Avenue. Um, I went into the bathroom. This man followed me um, while I was washing my hands. He turned around, showed me his foul ball. Um, but in this instance of the video we just showed, uh, yeah, that's kind of a dick move. Also, uh, the fact that this is a, uh, a professional right fielder uh, who couldn't get the ball directly to the person he was throwing to it, though, I think there's a little bit of blame that goes on the outfielder as well. No, you can clearly see he threw it directly to where that girl was. No, no, watch. She throws it, and look how far to the right she had to go. Uh, like if this, like if he was trying to throw somebody out at home plate, you know, he the the catcher would have to get out of position. I I I have to disagree with you on this one, Brian. I do like the look of shock on that little girl's face in the right hand corner <laughs> when she turns around to her mother to be like, "Can he do that?" Because that's literally the look on her face. Yeah, uh, but apparently uh, the family, uh, or excuse me, the family posted this video on Twitter, um, and then the uh, the Washington Nationals. It wasn't Texas; it was the Nationals A's game. Uh, the Nationals did reach out to the family uh, via Twitter DM and said that they were going to be sending uh, the girl a token of their appreciation for being a fan. So uh, the kid will get some swag now. So works out pretty well. Are you well telling me that the Washington Nationals slid into that girl's mom's <laughs> DMs? Uh, that's exactly what I am telling you, my friend. Mm. Spicy. Uh, Brian, you, uh, you, you brought this to my attention, and I think it's a moment for everybody to cheer. Uh, you are telling me that the pandemic, Brian, is officially over. The We've done it, people. Is over. We have beaten it. Brian, why is it that you can say the pandemic is over? Because according to the New York State Governor, Kathy Hochul, could be, could be. Um, she announced earlier this week on Wednesday that she was lifting the requirement on all public transportation that individuals wear masks. So for the MTA, like the subways, Metro North, Long Island Railroad, um, as well as taxis, Ubers, Lyfts, Revels. I think you've hit them all. Um, masks are no longer required. They are now optional. Um, Hochul said um, before getting her own Omicron variant booster in Manhattan, um, the Biden administration lifted the federal public transportation mask mandate in April after it was overruled by a Trump appointed federal judge, but New York State maintained its own local rule up until this past Wednesday. 
Hochul said relatively steady COVID-19 rates since the Omicron surge last winter and the availability of a new booster vaccine influenced her decision to end the requirement. Because it certainly wasn't the fact that about 60 percent of all people on New York City subways have already stopped wearing their masks. <laughs> right. So I'm no, sure one, was, that no enough- one was enforcing it. No, no. The cops weren't wearing masks anymore. Right. Here, even Janelle, friend of the show. People have been doing that for over a year. Uh, you know, and, and but I, I mean, do you think you think it's a smart move? Because I think if people were wearing masks, you know, people are still getting sick, Brian. There are still staffing issues. I've heard of I've heard of delis that are more self-service than full service because of a lack sure. of employees. I have heard of you know, places, restaurants not delivering or charging yes. exorbitant delivery fees from and a lack unable of people to, to staff delivery uh, guys. I feel like this may just skyrocket now in New York City with the change of this. But if you're telling me the pandemic's over, I, I will roll with it. Ron, I'm going to say this to you. This is where it, it's it's, you know, the one thing that you and I have preached for the past two and a half years of this pandemic is believe the science, listen to the data. What is the data saying? That right now, yes, COVID-19 is still um, uh, running through the global society. Is it still uh, making people sick? Absolutely, are people dying? Yes, but not at the rates that were occurring before that necessitated social distancing, that required masks in public, masks in indoors, that required family members to be separated, children to not be able to go to school, um, restaurants to be unable to be open. You're expecting me to cut you off at some point? I really was, and I just there, couldn't understand why. There are times I just want to see how long you will go if I don't stop you. You know, Ron, the, the saddest thing about COVID-19 when we think about it, and I'm talking about it in the past tense, is that Christian Adams, who was age 37 on... But this time's got to stop. There we go. Uh, Brian. Uh, How do you, I, I'm just shocked that you won't even let me get past number 12. I've, I've, I've given 12 of, of, of almost 3,000 names for 9-11. I feel like I need to do a Patreon where I just read the list of the dead from 9-11. All right, we can, we can we work that on that. There. But more importantly, Brian, what are you watching? Oh, you motherfucker. You motherfucker. All right, well, you, you, uh, you tell me why I'm a motherfucker, and I'll tell you why I'm not. But please, tell me. Tell me what you're watching, Brian. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm going to use past tense. Okay. I watched... The first 20 minutes of episode one of She-Hulk. Okay. I tried my best to give it a shot. I tried my best to even make it through the first episode. And then I found myself on the subway, wearing a mask, by the way. Um, I just found myself like, why am I doing this? There's a <laughs> podcast on my phone right now that I would much rather be listening to. The Ron and Brian podcast found wherever you get your podcasts. Um, And I was just like, there's songs that I would rather be listening to. I'd rather be surfing the Internet on my phone than watching this crap. It's unwatchable. Uh, Listen, and and I can certainly uh, I certainly get where you're coming from. Um, You know, I I obviously I think I'm more of a Marvel fan than you are. And it's fine. I mean, it's it's innocuous. It's it's you know, it's like nine. I think it's like 90s style kitsch type 
scene. But the it's thing is, fluff. it's I such fluff. I said to you when I first when I watched episode one, I said to you, Brian, you will hate this show. You will I hate, did it. hate it. I so, did hate it. So, if anything, I teed it up and said exactly um, how you feel is that you hated this show. And I can certainly see why you would hate it. Like, so, as, are you basically bragging that you called it? I may have called it. You know who didn't call it, Ron? Who's that? <sighs> that would be um, Donald Leroy Adams. From Chatham, New Jersey, who was an E-Speed Vice President of Sales at Counter Fitzgerald, died at 9-11 at the age of 28. Um, so speaking of, we were talking about 9-11 and what we're watching, um, I watched the, uh, the new documentary on Netflix about the anthrax attacks that happened oh. in the weeks following 9-11. How is that? I want to watch that. Uh, it was. It's very good. Um, it's you know. It's a. Uh, it's it's a little. It's a little unusual in that they they talk to a lot of the people that were involved um, in the actual investigation and people that got sick and people that worked in the buildings. Mm -hmm. um, but for for the for the doctor who was one of the main suspects, he's like played by a Hollywood actor, uh, the guy that was uh, was in uh, played Agent Coulson in the Avengers, and he's been in some other stuff. So he plays the. Uh, Did you the, just make another Marvel reference? <laughs> I might have, yes. Um, so he plays that doctor because that doctor is no longer alive. So he plays it, and so his part is scripted based off of police reports and emails and police uh, interviews and things like that. And everybody else is like actually still alive and able to talk sure. about it. Uh, so it was very interesting. I, you know, I think at the end of it, like there's, there's definitely a group of people that feel they know who committed these attacks and, and have a very compelling argument. And I think there's, there's just as many people who aren't a hundred percent certain that the people that, that the person that gets named in the documentary as being the perpetrator of these attacks, um, you know, may may not have done it. So there's, there's definitely, it gives you a lot of interesting information, but there's also a lot of questions that you still have at the end of it and questions that will, will probably never be answered because the people that, um, could answer them are, are not with us anymore. Oh, you know, as a expert on uh, biochemical weapons, um, where does Ron um, uh, sit with that? Meaning, like, where do you that? think? Do you think it was this doctor that they keep talking about? Um, I mean, I think a lot of the signs, you know, point to him um, as far as, you know, the, the ability to use DNA to determine what strain of anthrax it was and things of that nature. But the fact that, you know, they have been unable to. So basically, I mean, not not to ruin the documentary, they're, they're basically able to say, like, we can say that this strain of anthrax came from this guy's lab but you know there were also 12 to 15 other people that had access to it and what other people are saying like you're they were never able to place him in the areas where these letters were mailed from there was never right. there was never security camera footage there was never a gas station receipt a parking receipt like i mean and again this was you know this was 2001 you know there wasn't the the level of security cameras and things that 
you had in this day sure. and age. But again, this was literally in the weeks following 9-11 when everybody was on high alert for anything sure. unusual. So to think that this guy could have been been mailing things out from Princeton, New Jersey and not and no one see him or, you know, I don't know. It's just it's very unusual. So I, I, I am still I feel like he probably did it, but it, there's still that that question of doubt. Did they ever say or uh, um, did it come up in the what his possible motive was? Like, and if that's it the other was thing too. They, guy, they, why would he have done this? They, they. I mean, the one thing they did say is that he didn't. He had. A, he did not like New York City. Um, right. Which, all right, fine. So he sent. You know, one of them went to NBC Studios. But then why sure. mail him? Why the mailings to Washington D.C.? Like again, they're right. they're never able to really put together a motive. You know, except for the fact that this guy was kind of kind of weird, kind of eccentric. And that's, I think, you know, and they also talk about another uh, scientist that they suspected at first. And the DOJ kind of drug his name through the mud in public. And he ended up not being he ended up being cleared. He ends up getting a five point eight million dollar judgment from the government because he sued him right. for defamation of character. So right. you have to. So you have to wonder is, you know, they screwed up with the first guy. How can you be 100% certain that they were correct with the guy that they looked at afterwards? Sure. I mean, it's the government. They've been wrong on so many different things. Right. Um, also, uh, watch the new episode of Five Days at Memorial. Uh, series finale, episode eight, comes out this Friday. Um, definitely uh, one of the best shows uh, available on TV right now. I'm afraid to watch it because I think it's going to be too depressing. It's, Yes. I mean, it's you have to be ready for it to be. It, it's an emotional roller coaster. Like it will, it will bring you down. You know what brings me right back up after I watch an episode of Five Days at Memorial? The Ron and Brian podcast Patreon called After Dark. Nope, an episode of She Hulk. Brian just puts a smile right back on my face. Which I did watch the next two episodes of She Hulk. Again, I enjoy it, but I, I I like it for what it is. It is just it is senseless, mindless entertainment it is fan service they they have cameos with marvel characters each and every week um oh and i also watched episode one of the new season of cobra kai so did i what were and? your thoughts i'm going to tell you something i'd like to hear your opinion first um it's uh it's running out of steam i feel like it ran out of steam and you know what <laughs> i'm going to say this I don't know if the show has run out of steam or I no longer am interested in it. Yeah. In the sense that I feel like I've I've spent enough time with these characters that I'm not getting anything out of it now. Like, um, when you it, told it me it start- came out and you were like, watch the first episode before the podcast. And I was like, like, I remember the last few seasons, like the moment it came out, I would watch like three or four episodes. And like we watched the first episode and my wife was like, do you want to watch more? I'm like, no, I'm good for right now. Yeah. I don't I, I'm not interested in any of the storylines of the characters, you know, whereas, you know, when season four came out, which, you know, this is season five. First off, I don't know how many seasons they've done. I mean, I, I'm personally shocked that they've knocked out four. Like this is the fifth season. Yeah, um, it feels like it should be three. Um, but it is. Uh, how do I say this? I, I, I don't care about the characters. I, I could care, you know, um, uh, Johnny LaRussa. No, Johnny LaCroix. There's there's Danny LaRusso. <laughs> Danny LaRusso and Johnny. I forget what Johnny's last name is. 
Johnny Johnny Cobra Johnny Kai. Thunders. Johnny Cobra Kai, I believe is his name. Um, but yeah, no, I get what you're saying, and I think they're approved. I think they were like signed for at least one more season. So I think this is going to at least so. I'm rooting for Terry Silver at this point. I, I am rooting for the bad guy to win now. I want to see Danny LaRusso's daughter get truly beat. <laughs> I feel like she hasn't really. There's something I find very unlikable about her. Yeah. Um, but the truth be told, and this is my problem with the show, is that I've reached the point where I find all of the characters unlikable. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, the the only the only one who's likable is uh, is Danny Lee Russo's wife because she's sick and tired of everybody too. She's done with the karate. She's like sure. just 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 be a car salesman. Like you literally. I want to drink my ties by the pool. Right. Which no offense. That is some first world fucking prop. No offense, <laughs> but as soon as she said that, I was I felt alienated because her biggest complaint in life is that her husband. The you know the 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 car salesman extraordinaire entrepreneur is is working on his home based karate dojo instead of sipping drinks by the pool and that's all she wanted and it's like you know there's people starving there's literally a war in the Ukraine where innocent civilians are being slaughtered right um, and and this woman's you know I'm supposed to feel sorry for this woman. Because she uh, she can't drink her mai tais by the pool. I'm done with the whole show. All right. Um, anything um, else? Hold you're on. Watching? Did you watch? Did you watch this week's episode of The Patient? Um, no, I forgot it was out. So I'll have to go check it out. First two uh, was was good. I did catch up. Uh, I watched the second episode of uh, whatever that Game of Thrones uh, show is. Fire they and Dragons. Put out episode three last week. No. Okay. I'll catch, up catch that up. Okay. And I finished the rehearsal on HBO Max starring mm. Ethan Fielder. Um, it gets very weird. The first <laughs> gets episode, very weird. The first episode I thought was genius. He okay. gets this guy who wants to um, uh, uh, tell a friend of his a secret. So what he does is he recreates the environment where he's going to um, uh, speak with his friend. And they practice how that's, that, that, that speech is going to go. They rehearse it. Of course, yes. Um, but then it just it takes this weird nosedive into this other story about a woman that is unsure whether she wants to have a kid. So what he does is he takes this house in the middle of nowhere in Oregon and he replaces and he he basically recreates a child the the raising of a child from zero to eighteen. Right. There's all these actors coming in, and then he gets involved in it. It becomes very strange to the point where I stopped believing that it was a genuine um, uh, story and not something that was scripted. So you think it's a work, is what you're saying? It felt like a work. Okay. If William Esquire were here, he would call it a work. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's see, what else do we have here? Brian, have you seen this story um, coming out of Las Vegas uh, where a, a public official has been arrested uh, for the murder of a local uh, local reporter? No. Oh, yes, of course I did. That's one of the most fascinating stories that's going on right now. So, uh, so apparently there was a local investigative reporter by the name of Jeff German um, who apparently had written some, uh, some uh, I guess, not favorable articles uh, about Clark County Public Administrator Robert Tellis, uh, who, of course, um, we have a photo of him here. Let me see if we can pull him up. 
um, looking a bit like Lex Luthor, so automatically you think he's uh, he's uh, he's a bad guy. So they they arrived at his house. They had he he had been interviewed a few times. They had searched his house, and now uh, Tellus has been arrested uh, and charged with the stabbing death of this reporter. Listen, um, first off, I mean he's got a Lex Luthor head, uh, if ever one existed. Right, um, people. This is the res- and I, I I'm I'm not pointing fingers here. Here we go. Ali Ali's pointing fingers. William Esquire would be proud. You blame blaming on Reagan. Reagan. William Esquire would would blame her her spelling of Reagan. <laughs> Maybe he's blaming it on Brian Regan, the comedian. <laughs> um, but it is the fact that we are um, that we are electing more and more extreme. Um, uh, viewpoints into public office. And here is a politician who could not handle um, that there was a journalist out there posting um, negative pieces about him, that he actually felt that it was a a smart move to go out and kill that journalist. Um, You know, this is the, the, you know, and I'm not pointing, I'm not saying that it's on the right because ultimately this man's um, uh, party affiliation is not important. It is the fact that we have, uh, as a society, we have been pulled to the extremes. And when you have extremists, they have extreme views. Right. Um, and Tellus is actually fact- a, a Democrat. So it just shows you can be yeah. as crazy on the left as you, as you can be on the right. Um, you know, his whole, you know, if you look at his Twitter feed, he literally was um, obsessed with this writer. Um, and if you, you know, ask the writer, you know, in the weeks leading up to it, what was going on? He said, I'm working on a story. This guy's corrupt. I'm working on a story about it. I believe, or I believe he's corrupt and I'm putting something together. And this guy shows up. He, he was dressed up in a, a very strange getup. Um, he was wearing an orange jumpsuit with a bright um, uh, hat. That, you like know, a big wide up. straw hat. Yeah, wide straw hat. Um, he was seen walking through the neighborhood of the journalist. And then when he returned home, uh, unrelated, several days later, um, while the while the press was outside of his home, he showed up wearing a hazmat suit. Yeah, I saw that when they were when they were searching his house. He he shows up in a hat. I mean, clearly, I think he's probably angling for an insanity defense. Uh, Would be my guess. I mean, I don't I don't know. I feel like there are some cases where you should not be able to get an insanity defense. Oh, I agree. I agree. I feel like I this just guy really is just an it. asshole. <laughs> yeah, that's what it comes down to. Absolutely. You know who else is an asshole? Who? People who get on carnival rides, Ron. Oh, are you not a fan of carnival rides, Brian? No. I, I feel I feel that a it's um, carnival rides are for people who um, uh, who just uh, want to cheat death. And sometimes okay. death's got your number. Well, I mean, these folks uh, barely uh, cheated death. So this is a carnival ride um, that was at the Phase 8 Amusement Park over in India in Punjab's Mahali District. Um, 50 riders on a drop tower, uh, which is uh, a carousel that's supposed to spin around. And then one of the things where it drops people down quickly. Uh, well, this oh, thing, and we'll pull oh, up the video here. it does drop people down quickly. <laughs> it does drop people quickly. You can see it kind of spinning around up there, and then it comes down, but it does not stop. It hits the ground, and you see people, oh. 
That uh, is a rough landing, to say the least. Um, so Ron, drops... let me ask you a question. Let me yes. interrupt you right there. Of course. Well, you know, we go back to that previous question from Ron Answers the Internet. Putting aside the buffalo wing sauce, you can, you can have all the buffalo wing sauce for the rest of your life. Would you rather be limited to watching that video or pregnant porn? I, I'd watch this video. Really? You're not a fan of pregnant porn? Well, you know. Out of the out of the two. So anyway, um, sixteen people injured. Shockingly, no one killed. I mean, you see people, even though they were strapped in, uh, flung out of their seats. Sure. Um, but just just surprising that uh, that people did not uh, did not die. Yes, man, that was the slap sound that they made when they hit the ground. So thank you for that, Janelle. Uh, I don't one, know. I don't know why JoJo thinks that this is bull. No, it really happened. Yeah, it happened. It, it happened. Really did happen. Uh, no, one more. She says no. One more story here tonight, um, because, of course, you know, we have to have a gun, uh, gun violence story. Uh, Memphis gunman Ezekiel Kelly, uh, who we have a photo of here, uh, went on a shooting rampage in Memphis, uh, which he uh, live streamed part of the way. Um, he was a convict. He served time for attempted murder. Uh, he was supposed to serve, I want to say, three years. He got out after three months. Uh, and then this 19-year-old uh, shot a friend of his, um, killed him. And then within the next 24 hours, went on a rampage shooting many people, but killing three additional um, but was was uh, was arrested uh, alive and taken in, and he will be uh, he will be facing uh, multiple murder charges uh, as well as many attempted murder charges as well. So the guy's driving around Memphis on Facebook Live, right, mumbling because I saw some of the video of him talking on um, I believe it was USACrime.com, my new favorite website. Yeah, USACrime.com. Because Hoodsite got shut down. You can't go to Hoodsite.com. Cannot, unfortunately. Now it is all about USACrime.com. So you saw some video of him talking. Uh, he mumbles his words, um, or I'm going deaf and cannot hear him. You know the there was a um, lot of mumbling going on without a doubt. Okay, so I'm not alone. Uh, but he was just going around shooting people while on Facebook Live, um, and clearly the fact that he was. Um, live streaming what he was doing prevented the police officers from just shooting at him to death because normally you understand um, Tennessee police officers when there's a black man driving around with a gun they're automatically going to start shooting yeah apparently they did not want that to be captured on video so they decided to arrest him alive good job officers this man has um, this man should be executed in my opinion well, this, you know what? That's the fucking shame of it all. And I really mean this. And I know this may this may be um, 70 minutes after I started drinking. <laughs> this man deserved to be shot by police. There are so many people, Breonna Taylor, um, that should not have been shot by police. Right. And, you know, people were up in arms and the police department, you know, um, got butt hurt because they felt that, you know, people weren't supporting them and whatnot. Here's an example where I think all of society would have gotten around and stood behind officers who had shot this man to death. And we would have said, this guy deserves death by cop. They should have shot this guy. We all would have supported them for doing I think so. so. Uh, Brian, tell people what's going to be happening in about 18 minutes from now. Okay, okay, okay. So this is what happens, people. Every Sunday at 930 New York time. 
Eastern Standard PM. We're going to have something we like to call After Dark. And what do we do in After Dark? We try to figure out how we can stop talking like this. No, we. what happens is this, people. You're currently watching a free show. This has cost you nothing. 70 minutes of your time, but time well spent. Um, and what happens is that on a regular basis, there are costs associated with this podcast. Every time you see this, this, this scrolling banner that rolls by, Ron and I have to pay 75 cents to the kind people over at StreamYard. Um, so each time that thing, so look, that's now 75 cents there. Now it's a dollar 50. It rolls up. <laughs> oh right. my God. That was exact. That was exaggerated. Um, but, um, there's, there's web hosting, there's social media posts, sponsorships, you know, the, the show costs money. Um, and Ron and I, we pay for it out of our own pocket, but people have reached out over the years and have said, Hey, you guys are doing a great show. I appreciate, you know, the entertainment that you provide. How can I help you? And you know what we did? We sat there and said, you know what? We're going to figure out a way that you can help us. And the answer was we went to Patreon. We created our own page over at Patreon. There are several tiers where you can um, support the show. As little as $5 a month gets you an audio file of something we call After Dark, which is Stories that aren't quite family appropriate, things you wouldn't necessarily, you know, want your mom and dad to hear us talking about. Sexy stories. Yeah. Spicy. Salacious stuff. Um, but it's also stuff that YouTube wouldn't really approve of. Facebook no. would ban us immediately. Twitch Correct. would be twitching. Um, so it's it's it's. It's usually some pretty good stuff. Once a month on the last Sunday of every month, we invite our Patreons onto the show with us. We usually do a game called Can You Beat Ron? where we put up $25. Um, and if somebody can, you know, we, we, we do a multiple choice um, quiz style exam. If you could get more correct than Ron does, we make a $25 donation to a charity of your choice. Right now, we've got some very interesting stories. We're going to be doing that show in about 15 minutes. Um, Ron, did I leave anything out? Well, just uh, if you want to join us, go over to ronandbrianpodcast.com. Go into the upper right-hand corner, click Become a Patron. Uh, you can join at the $5 level. That gets you access to the audio after the fact. Uh, but if you join at the $10 level or higher, that gives you access to the live video uh, that will take place. Again, just a short 15 minutes from now. Uh, so if not, you know, we still love you turning into the free broadcast, but uh, we sure. do love our Patreon subscribers a smidge more, just a smidge more. All right, Brian, anything else before we wrap this up? I feel like this has been a fantastic show. This I don't want to pat show. ourselves on the back too much, but I feel like it's been, it's been stellar. There's only one thing. If I could do one thing differently, you know what that would be? <laughs> I don't, Brian. What would that be? That would be if Shannon Lewis Adams could have watched this show. Shannon Lewis Adams passed away at 9-11. She was 25 years old, works as a fixed income accountant at Cantor Fitzgerald, passed away at 25 on 9-11. All right. Well, uh, sad that she could not join us, but thanks to everybody else who did. Uh, we will be back again next week. Brian, anything else before we roll out of here? Not at all. All right. Have a good week, everybody. 
you for joining us on the Ron and Brian podcast. We're live each week on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. You can find prior episodes, links to our social media, and everything else Ron and Brian at ronandbrianpodcast.com. See you again next week.